This week, Andy Alhadef returns to discuss Blade Runner 2049. such an interesting movie and there was so much to talk about and it was just so much fun i'll bring that to you in just a couple minutes here so mark your calendars next saturday november 25th i will be live broadcasting the 100th episode of this podcast on my youtube channel with jeff tapia so that's youtube.com slash jesse mercury sci-fi we will be discussing every single episode of star trek the next generation season seven bringing it full circle from episode one where we started talking about season one of that very show. And I'm really, really pumped. I would love for you to come join us 3 p.m. Pacific time on my YouTube channel. Uh, You can hop into the live chat and we'll be reading that as we discuss the season. So yeah, we'll finally be wrapping up with Star Trek The Next Generation. That's it's crazy. It feels it feels good. I'm really excited. I mean, I'm still I'm still rewatching season seven right now, and there's some insane highs and some insane lows in season seven. I mean, Sub Rosa, the episode where Beverly fucks a ghost, is in season seven. It's my least favorite, and I'm just dying to talk about it with Jeff. So I'd love to see you there uh, next Saturday, November 25th at 3 p.m. Pacific time. YouTube.com/slash Jesse Mercury Sci-Fi. Recently on the show, I introduced you to my friend Zach Gandra, and we talked about Star Trek and the Prime Directive, and he is a really, really fascinating guy. He used to be a megachurch pastor, and now he hosts a podcast called Losing Our Religion. It's a really great show, and I was super lucky to be able to record a couple episodes of that podcast recently, and they both have come out, so now you can check them out at losingourreligion.org. It was a really, really interesting discussion. So I was a religious studies minor in school, and I'm also Jewish. And I grew up in San Diego, which is a very, uh, very conservative Christian town, which a lot of people don't know. But I was told constantly by people in school and elementary school and beyond that I was going to hell for being Jewish. And I really grew up with a chip on my shoulder against Christianity because of that. And Zach and I get into that a little bit in the first half of the discussion. The second half, uh, the second episode, we talk a lot about, you know, me living with Lyme disease and the sort of mental gymnastics that it requires to, to find ways to be happy and productive with a chronic illness. So it's really interesting discussion. I mean, if you are, if you are Christian, you will probably be offended by a lot of the things that I said. And I'd like to apologize for that. Uh, you know, I definitely use some language that I found strong upon listening back to it. So I apologize if I offend anybody, but I think it's a really fascinating conversation. I really encourage you to listen to both halves. I listened to the second half this morning and I was really, you know, inspired by it. I, I really enjoyed listening to that conversation. So you can find that at losingourreligion.org. Speaking of Lyme disease, I hit one of my own personal health goals recently, which is so exciting. So I've been on antibiotics for about nine months now, and I just went for a little jog the other day. It's been about five days since it happened, maybe six, uh, and it was very short and very stop and go, but the fact that it even happened was really remarkably exciting for me. I love jogging. I love using my body. I love feeling healthy and physically fit, and I just haven't been able to do any of that for over a year. Uh, and 
and during this current Lyme disease flare up. So I feel like I'm hitting a new level of energy and a new level of health, which is very exciting. You know, I'm still nowhere near back to where I used to be. I still am on, uh, you know, I'm still unable to work. Um, but I am finding myself able to do more and more with uh, podcasting and with game streaming, and I really want to get back into recording some music. That had to be put on hold because I, I'm having really intense dizzy spells every time I try to sing. So uh, I just haven't been able to finish the songs that I'm working on. I've had uh, Battle Cry of the Brown Coats and Cold Dead World you know, partially completed for a very long time. And I actually did finish a song called Time Machine. I think I played you a work in progress of that, but I finished it and I'm just working on the art so that I can release it. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm churning back up some, uh, some musical energy to work on music, which is my greatest passion and the thing I care about the most. But uh, for the time being, I'm very excited to say that I am feeling more confident about getting podcasts out regularly. I know I've been all over the map about where they've been released. I'm trying to settle into a regular day. Uh, I used to do Tuesdays or Wednesdays because those were my days off. So I'm, I'm going to try to get back onto a Wednesday release schedule. No promises, no idea if that's going to uh, you know, remain constant or not. But at this point, I have a bunch of podcasts recorded that are yet to be released. Uh, really exciting stuff coming up. Uh, I've recorded some conversations with Baby Dan and with Zach and really exciting stuff. Zach and I recorded a commentary to the entirety of Star Trek The Motion Picture. And I'm really, I, I can't wait to listen to that one once we get there. On top of that, I'm also recording a sci-fi on trial on Sunday. We're doing the trial of the Matrix sequels. So I've been re-watching the Matrix movies. Obviously, I did the episode about the Matrix last, last week. And man, I'm so excited. So it feels good to have a little bit more energy and feel like I'm capable of a little bit more. Uh, and I feel like I'm on the right track. I'm on the right path towards uh, getting better, you know, and towards killing this disease that's been inside of me for so long. So very, very exciting. So this is uh, this is the incredible Andy Alhada. She's back on the show. We went to see Blade Runner 2049. And as soon as we were done, I looked at her. I'm like, we have to go home and record a podcast because we had, we had not planned to do this as we will talk about. And the results were, I think, a very exciting conversation about something that was very fresh on our minds. And I am very, very excited to bring it to you. So here is Andy and myself talking about Blade Runner 2049. <laughs> There is an order to things. That's what we do here. We keep order. The world is built on a wall that separates kind. Tell either side there's no wall. You bought a war. You're a cop. I did your job once. I was good at it. I know. All right. Uh, oh, hello! <laughs> uh, Andy Alhadif, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks so much, Jesse Mercury. So we just watched Blade Runner 2049. We watched the whole thing, guys. And then 
decided that we we instead of talking about it we decided we wanted to record us talking about it so we yeah got home as soon as we could well yeah there was we talked about it a little bit there was a little bit of a torturous moments over sushi lunch yeah where we tried not to talk about things that we kept kind of accidentally talking about yeah but we really haven't talked about that much about no no mostly just questions because i have not seen the first blade runner right film and now i'm dying to see it so yeah. i will be seeing that very soon but I had some logistical questions that I just kind of wanted to get out of the way. Yeah. So, we, so yeah. I mean, this is a completely unplanned podcast. We just decided yeah. very last second to do this. And we're, we have a limited amount of time, but we're just going to talk about how we felt about this movie. Yeah. That was a long movie, like two hours and 43 <laughs> minutes long. Guys, this movie was so long that... I had to update my parking from inside the theater. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So what did you think about it? Did you oh, did you like it? I I was thoroughly entertained, for sure. I definitely had a few issues with it. Yeah. Um but overall, I I enjoyed the storyline was really compelling. Yeah. It definitely made me want to see the first one. Um and it had that quality of sci-fi that I think we've talked about in the past that really intrigues me, which is sort of the unraveling of a mystery. Totally. Um, it had that in a major way, in a way that was really exciting. And in a way that I always love it when the mystery that's being unraveled has a link to knowing more about the characters we're following. Totally. then you just yeah. become more invested as you learn more. So totally. I, I just, I really love that aspect of it. So yeah, spoiler alert, we're going to spoil the fuck out of this movie. Yeah, if you haven't seen this movie, pause this, go see it, yeah. and then press play again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but what you're alluding to is the fact that the lead character, Kay, or Joe, yeah. uh, believes that he is the subject that he's searching for eventually. Yes. He thinks that he is this like miracle child born mm-hmm. of a replicant and a probably replicant person. Yeah. Uh, and I I agree. I really, really, really love that element of the movie. It was a yeah. detective story, which is really totally. interesting because I, the first one isn't, isn't really that much of a detective story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a little more, well, it, it just, uh, yeah. I mean, that was like a, an interesting added element that felt mm-hmm. right at home in this universe to me in the yeah. Blade Runner universe, but uh, wasn't as present in the first one. I mean, he's a, like, you know, he is a blade, like Harrison Ford is a Blade Runner in the first movie, hunting down replicants. Yeah. But, uh, and there there are questions about the nature of self and identity and that stuff, but it's much more under the surface and a little bit more implied. Whereas this mm-hmm. one, it was right front and center. Like, what is the nature mm-hmm. of of self like what is a person do you like you don't have a soul if you're a replicant you know right which was like straight up said like you've gotten along pretty well without a soul but it's very obvious that these replicants do have Have souls yeah even his response to that was sort of interesting there so yeah so i guess uh, do we do we talk about this from like because now I'm referencing a moment we haven't even talked about. Do we? Should we like go through the movie or should we? Let's just jump around. We don't we have. Jump it's around. such a long movie. We'll yeah, never make it. It is a really <laughs> long movie. We try to go through it. Let's um, just talk about the the things we're burning to talk. Okay, about. for yeah. sure. So, so something I know you and I both were really wanting to talk about was the character of Joy. Joy, yeah. Um. So Joy is a character that she is sort of a hologram woman, um, and she's part of a. Uh, it's like a company com- companionship program. Yeah, program that that creates women to be companions for and for no, lonely that was people. Yeah. Right. And that was another question I had like I wonder 
if that specific program was created for replicants because is there do they encourage relationships between replicants and humans? I don't or think, discourage that or I think that replicants are looked at as just like raw material, you know? Like they're not right. they're not looked at as being alive. So if someone wants to have sex with a replicant, mm-hmm. they can. Uh because like and, and oftentimes replicants are used as like sex toys almost. But replicants don't have like relationships. That's that's unclear. Like do re- replicants have relationships with other replicants? Is that what right. you're asking? Right. That's like can a replicant un- have a boyfriend unclear. or a girlfriend or a wife or a husband or I don't think that's been touched on at all okay. in either of, of these movies. I mean, we've seen examples of mm-hmm. it happening. Right. But, but it's not really I, I don't think that it's necessarily uh, something that society considers a need. I think that the replicants are considered to not have needs of their own. Sure. And they're just supposed to follow orders. But though that computer program is could be for anyone, not just replicants. That's the impression that I had. Okay. Is that that anyone was like, I mean, it was being advertised on the street. It's like right. anyone who wants companionship uh-huh. can buy one of these things and right. put them in their home. Okay. And my impression was that... Uh, I I think that I think that there's a huge misconception in the world itself, like an in-world misconception where human beings believe that they are in control of artificial intelligence and they're just not. You mm-hmm. know, they keep building things with mm-hmm. artificial intelligence that they think they can control. Yeah. And basically they're creating like living living people with souls and they don't know it and then uh they don't consider that so then you end up having all these all these individuals with souls living inside of artificially created bodies Mm -hmm. who are being told by society that they are less than and they don't belong and i think that joy was a really fascinating character because she was a level beyond that where she doesn't even have her own body Mm -hmm. but she obviously well i don't know i mean i think that she i i read it that she actually cared for k and like really I think that she developed real feelings for him yeah. in, in the way that she was able to. Yeah. But there is also the question in the movie as to like whether or not that's just her programming. I mean, just just yeah. as it's brought up later, uh, was Deckard de- like designed to love Rachel in the in the first movie? Like right. when he first met her, right. was he designed that way? And I love that they left it ambiguous as to yeah. whether or not he was uh, a replicant or not, because. Right. I mean, that, that's a huge thing I want to talk about, but we'll put that down for a second. Okay. To talk about Joy for yeah, right now. Yeah, to talk about Joy, So yeah. here are my questions with Joy and, and a few issues I had, which is that, yeah, I did. I wanted to invest in her as a full character, as as more than just a simulated image. Um, yeah. But what I struggled with is the only thing that felt real about her had to do with him. Like had to do with her. Fe- everything that was real about her was her feelings towards him. Right. And her- and so it was interesting because I think I guess the thing that was radical about it was that she developed some sort of emotion or attachment. Yeah. Um, which in her programming shouldn't happen, but did somehow. But I feel like in terms of uh, having a sense of who she was or her yeah. personality, I just didn't. You know, yeah. I mean, I think it's questionable as to whether or not she was built for anything else other right. than to make him happy. I right. think that she was just built for that, and whether or not right. she's even capable of anything else, I'm. I think yes, because of the performance uh-huh. and because of like how she reacted when she touched Rain for the first time, right? And like the fact that she really wanted that device that makes her mobile, and then she self sacrifices mm-hmm. for him in a way that feels yeah, that's that true. feels conscious. Yeah, totally. Uh, and but it's really, it's really. The reason I like that character so much is because it's really hard to say in either way. And mm-hmm. I think that the way that you treat 
the way that you treat things is how you are judged. I think yeah. the measure of a man, remember like that episode where Data was on trial for being human? Oh, sure. Uh, like, re- that really sticks with me when I think about artificial intelligence mm-hmm. is that the way that you treat uh, the things that you create mm-hmm. actually rep- like reflects a lot about you as a culture. Mm-hmm. So the idea that this culture is creating these things that it thinks of as things when they are I mean, we we followed enough of them to know that they are self aware and, and yeah. conscious and have consciousness and I and you know I think sentience. I think that they're I think these robots are sentient in mm-hmm. these films. Mm-hmm. So uh so I really felt like that character had some of that also. Yeah. And I thought it was so interesting to have someone uh who lives inside of a limited world who seems to be aware that they are limited, but wants for more right i I mean i think that that's what all of these characters are all these replicant characters yeah it's a very pinocchio-esque like i want to be a real boy kind of a thing and i think she wanted to be real as well and that scene where she like kind of assumes the body of oh yeah the other girl is like really fascinating that was invited a prostitute over so that she could meld like she could like be a hologram around this prostitute so that yeah. That uh, Kay could have someone to actually touch. Yeah. I loved that scene. I thought it was beautiful. I the thought way that was they, fantastic. Yeah, it was visually incredible because you kept oh coming in and out of the two faces, kept kind of... Amazing. One started to yeah. take dominance and then the other one would, or where the hands were would sometimes double in a really interesting way. And, and yeah. what I loved is they didn't show her nude body at all. Totally. And then they did in the advertisement later. In the hologram later. at the end, after, after the main like Joy had died. I felt like we didn't need that at all. I felt weird about that scene. I, 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 for me, it was like, why, like, what, how do they have like just a, a gigantic naked woman wandering the streets? Right. You know, like that didn't make sense to me. Well, and we've talked, so the, the, this, this movie, and we've, we did a little bit Wikipedia-ing and um, research about the response yeah, to this movie. Yeah, we read the Wikipedia article on yeah. the car on the way home. Yeah, <laughs> essentially. And, and we have found that there, there were some issues um, with the way that women were portrayed in this movie. And, and I agree with some of them. I certainly do. Yeah. Um, and I do think like maybe that scene where she is nude in that advertisement is maybe just even emphasizing more that that's not her. Like I agree. she, yeah. even though it looks like her, it's she. The advertisement also had no eyes. Like the oh, eyes were yeah, glazed the over. Eyes were, that's right. And I feel like maybe that was like that's that's what the world sees is the objectification of her, her body, yeah. and her. But then what he had was the the woman inside that image. My my take on it was that when you buy Joy, you get a piece of software, right. and that piece of software sort of develops based off of your relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And I think that because Kay was a replicant and I think and and didn't have any other expression of love in his life except for joy, mm-hmm. I think he really I mean obviously he really loved her, you know? Yeah. And I think that maybe the loving her is part of what made her real is yeah. because uh or or made her like gain some semblance of sentience because her programming sure. is developing based off of her reactions to him and he's treating her kindly yeah. and treating her as a person and she starts to react to him as a person mm-hmm. and starts to make choices on her own and i it seems to me like uh i i i don't know i mean i've obviously you've had the first movie spoiled for you that there's some ambiguity as to whether or not Deckard is a replicant right. but my read on the first movie is that you're watching a replicant develop real feelings and mm-hmm. not know how to handle them and yeah. in a way that's like under the surface throughout yeah. the whole movie. Yeah. And I, I think that that's a common theme in the, in both of these films is that if you put in the software that has intelligence and let it develop, it will develop into a person mm-hmm. much as how, you know, you, 
you give birth to someone to mm-hmm. a baby and they're right. not as intelligent as they will once as they will become yeah. but they have the capacity for yeah. um great empathy and great intelligence mm-hmm. and if you give it time it can develop right. and i think that we, in these movies we've followed characters where that happens in really interesting ways mm-hmm. um particularly k in this movie because it's it's introduced to us that this new breed of replicant will obey mm-hmm. not like the old nexus 7s it's like the new nexus 8s or right. or was it nexus 8s i don't remember i don't remember the numbers but the new version <laughs> uh is supposed to obey and yeah. then we watch this movie about one of them directly disobeying lying mm-hmm. to the, like the to madam played by uh robin wright who mm-hmm. i loved in this movie yeah she was incredible and i kind of that just uh, totally and i th- I think that kind of goes back to what we were talking about with the issues with how women are portrayed in For this sure. movie. Yeah. Um, so the issue that a lot of people had was that they were either prostitutes or brutally killed yeah. or uh, basically they were there to service or locked away in a cage. Yeah, that, and that's right, it. That's right. every that's single every woman, woman that I can think of in the movie yeah. was either killed a prostitute or in a cage, yep. except for uh, the, one-eyed. the one-eyed woman. woman. But she was in the movie for like minutes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But so I guess we were talking a little bit about this, but for me, I had an issue of like, if society has gotten to a point where like the head of the police force yeah, is, a woman, is a woman, but everything else is so mon- like misogynistic, right. all the advertisements you see only feature women and right, often right, women right, right. that are dressed in a very, or not dressed at all. Right, totally. <laughs> um, or just the way women were treated. But then again, somehow we've gotten to a place where the head of police force is a woman. And that like was a little bit of a conflict for me. Right. Um, I, I, I agree with you that. You know, and, yeah. but so. For me, it's like if they had just had advertisements of naked men also, right. it would have completely fix right. that because i think the intention is to say that this is a world that you can create sex objects for yourself mm-hmm. and that everyone is so isolated that it, it's like easier to just right. be with these robots or or you know holograms than yeah. with a real person and, and yeah. like there aren't that many real people in the story yeah. at all yeah and i actually love that as a plot point and i think yeah. that it's really interesting and they could have expressed it better if it had been you know equal equal yeah i agree with you (laughs) totally and i and it's actually for me it's hard to envision a future that is so heteronormative too like there it was all male gaze on female bodies you know like everybody was white and 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 that was the other huge issue right like there was there was one person of color who talked in the whole movie that we can remember yeah Yeah. and and he was in one scene and he was a total caricature of a person and was like really weirdly portrayed too like and and it was for what not even a minute on screen really yeah Um, and then every single other lead character anyone who even speaks all white all completely and there was just no reason for that either you know I mean not that there's ever a reason but it's like there were so many opportunities to cast people of all kinds of, oh well, right. I guess you know what? That's not true. The head of the orphanage was also oh a yeah, black man, but and he he's was great. A, he, he was great. But that he actor was, is on Walking Dead. I love that. Oh, guy. and he was really convincing as a so sort of mentally good. disturbed orphanage yeah. head. Yeah, but but I I mean not not very good representation. I would say of yeah, diversity. I think that that is unfortunate because their hands were tied for K because he's the the. Well, there has to be ambiguity as to whether or not he's the son of mm-hmm. Harrison Ford and Sean Young. So yeah. they have to cast someone that looks like he could be that. Sure, but and you I think that, that mean, was you know totally. really well. I actually really liked Ryan Gosling. I I, I thought, thought he, was, he was 
fucking awesome in totally. this movie. I like every moment he was on screen, mm-hmm. I felt his conflict. Totally. And I loved it. And yeah. he he like broke out in anger once when he yelled at the at the chief, I think. Yeah. Or at Madam and I why was she called Madam? Why instead of Chief? I don't know. Well, that's know. another sort of I don't know. Yeah. That was interesting. But anyway, so he yeah. he yelled at her or like broke out and like you saw his anger come out once mm-hmm. i think besides just being his violence which mm-hmm. came out several times mm-hmm. uh and i it just informed so much about his character that there's this conflict underneath the surface all the time and i yeah. think he really brought that through in a way that i really loved yeah absolutely absolutely i just think like madam could have been a woman of color yeah. or or even the one-eyed woman could have been yeah. someone of color or you know like i just or anyone else were... in the story there were totally, so many other yeah. people that could so have been so many people that could have been yeah. um and i really liked everyone i mean yeah no it's well cast yeah, for I mean, sure robin but... wright is one is becoming like one of yeah. my absolute favorite performers she was period stellar. like i just i adore her on house yeah. of cards and mm. she was in Princess Bride, too. I mean, yeah. she's been around for a while, and she yeah. just keeps getting better. She's great. And I loved her in this part. Yeah. Um, and I, I I mean, Dave Bautista, he was the the first replicant you meet in the very beginning. Uh, he plays Drax in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, and uh, he's just great. I mean, mm. he the more I see him, he was a pro wrestler turned actor, and the more I see him, the more oh, I'm like, dude, you, you are legit. Like, you've got real acting chops. He looks like he could have been a pro wrestler. I mean, he his intimidating figure was an interesting one to see as the first victim in the movie. Yeah, you know? totally, totally. I think that, like, I think that that was intentionally done to kind of show what um k what kind of force k has because yeah. he kind of keeps defying death in this movie up until the end yeah and, and then, i i think he died at the end yeah so there's this kind of ambiguous ending where he lays down in the snow and he's been stabbed and yeah and and jesse's take which i could totally see why is that he dies then and I and I could imagine. I wonder if they left it open ended in a way because if the option for the second movie came, they right. could choose to use him or not. Right. And I think, yeah. I mean, I. It also like resonated with me as such a fan of the original to have that moment where he's lying on the steps, looking up at the at the ash as it's falling. I don't know if it was ash or snow. Hmm. Uh, I think it was ash. At the in this movie. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was snow because then I, she recreated the snow in the. Yeah, I've thought I was thinking the whole time, like, is it snow or ash falling? Because there's been some sort of, you know, climate change apocalypse that's oh. happened between this movie and the first one. That's interesting. Uh, which was really cool. I thought it's like the instead of just recreating the world from the first one, they they made like a post-apocalyptic version of the world from the first one. Mm. And the world from the first one was like pretty rough as it was. Mm-hmm. So to take it further beyond that and ha- and say that like the climate at this point is just fucked, hmm. uh, what I thought was a really wise choice. Mm. I, I, you know, I know it's tough because you haven't seen the first one, but I, I think that they, they paid homage to the first one in a really compelling way where the themes were intact, the world was intact, mm. the, uh, the ambiguity was intact, mm. the, you know, just the feeling of it felt like Blade Runner. Mm. And I never, I never questioned for a second that this was a, a bad movie, you know, yeah. I never, I mean, I never thought for a second that this was a bad movie yeah. or like a bad version of Blade Runner. It's like, sure. yeah, this is just Blade. They just got it. This is yeah. Blade Runner. They're doing it well. And I, and I'm on board. Good. But I will say that uh, I, 
I always questioned whether or not we needed another Blade Runner because mm-hmm. the first one is so wonderful mm-hmm. and it stands alone so well and yeah. it's been so long. So yeah. uh, it's not like Star Wars where I was just like foaming at the mouth for more Star Wars. You know, like Blade Runner was a complete experience for me okay. where I felt like I didn't need more. And the ambiguity of Deckard being a, a replicant or not was mm-hmm. so much a part of the joy of that for me mm-hmm. that as soon as they announced the sequel, I'm like, they're going to fuck it up. You know, they're going to ruin it. Yeah. They're going to break this for me and I'm going to be so yeah. mad. You even mentioned to me that you you've regretted a little bit saying that to me before we saw the movie jesse said like oh hey sometimes we were talking about it andy asked me like what do i need to know yeah yeah and you kind of mentioned the ambiguity because you thought it was going to be a major plot point yeah and addressed and and maybe even revealed yeah and that would be a sort of weird reveal if you didn't know i thought you would have been so confused if you didn't know that harrison (laughs) ford was potentially a replicant right right but but to our to your I think pleasant surprise they still kept it pretty am, ambiguous. Oh totally. They they that's the thing where they really really respected the original. Mm-hmm. Like this is how you make a sequel. Like you do, this is how you avoid crimes against fandom. You know, you like respect <laughs> what was done. Yeah. Uh and I like I really really enjoyed this movie and mm-hmm. I thought it was incredibly well crafted and a, a great sci-fi film. Mm-hmm. Uh and I'm glad they made it because I loved it a lot, but I also felt like when it was over that I still felt like I didn't need it. You know, mm. I didn't need the sequel to Blade Runner. Right. And I, this did not detract from Blade Runner in any way, which mm. was wonderful, uh, which I was really happy about. And there was so many things in it that were so rich and, and weird or unsettling or ambiguous or just thought provoking that it's, I mean, it's so worth seeing, Yeah, but there's still this part of me that feels like it was also kind of unnecessary. Sure. Uh, in, in a way that I have that I just like don't know how to explain any better than that. Yeah. And so with that in mind, do you like see after we saw it, I was like, oh, my God, I'd I'd be curious to see another one of those. Yeah. Um. Do you feel like this? they should end there or do you feel like I, I felt like they should have ended before? So, right. I mean, but I liked this ending a lot. And if yeah. they end here, I'll be very happy. Interesting. Uh, I think that my fear will be that if they make more, they will eventually break it because yeah. that seems to happen with these types of things. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I, I don't know. Like I. I'm of I'm of two minds about it. I'm yeah. like still very cautious about it. Yeah. But but I think that if if the same director was back, I would trust him to make another great film Good one. because it was a great. I mean, I think it was a great film. Like, yeah. you know. Like it's not something that that I think that I will want to watch often sure like it wasn't the type of movie that I wanted to be in, you know? <laughs> like Blade the original Blade Runner um is like there's something about the the cityscapes and mm-hmm. the special effects and the stiffness of Harrison Ford mm. and the I, the amazing flamboyance of of the the lead uh quote unquote villain mm. that is just like endlessly captivating mm. and you have to see it over and over to get it you know mm. and and this movie I felt like um had some of that, but it was also so long and it was really brutal. It I was mean, long. Yeah. there was some real oh. brutality in this movie mm-hmm. that, that I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think was necessarily bad. I think it all kind of served the story, but it was also like, uh, I mean, it was a tough watch, you know, it was like an intense emotional <laughs> I watch. I, there was a couple of times where I was worried that it was a little like, much for me, a little much for you. Yeah, it was, there was, there were some moments where I was like, wow, do I really need to see those bodies being blown up? But, um, yeah, in the that was, pile. that was really intense. Aye. But, but I will say I, 
I hung in there. It it, it kind of skirted that edge for me and it didn't quite fall over it. Uh, yeah. It, like a couple times went just right up to it. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I could keep, there were a few times I looked away, I think, but I, yeah. I, but just back in line with um what we were talking about with uh if you thought there should be a third one made for me i think just to address that in my mind would be i would love it if there was a third one made with the type of respect to the franchise that you're talking about and the and the story but then maybe solving some of the issues with women and the issue like they could make a third one that addresses it that has more diversity and addresses and maybe it like talks about it like yeah you know especially with the women but maybe like the society they find a way to you know i mean that's maybe a little pollyanna to hope that they would make something like that but yeah i mean the issues with women are a, a thousand percent present in the first movie well you and i should have to watch this right, together and that's I mean, of the same universe you yeah know, it's in the same world so yeah the you issues know. with women were very similar and the fact yeah. that uh particularly like replicant women are are treated as objects and you don't see any real examples of any women who aren't either treated as objects well i I can't really even i mean i can't think of any human women in the first movie off the top of my head at all Hmm. i can only think of uh, like daryl hannah's in it um there's uh, there's several like great female actresses in it but it's the same issues you know um yeah, and that's that's one part of the original movie that I find uncomfortable. I mean, yeah. I, Baby Dan was on the show. We talked about how there's uh, a sex scene in the first movie that's that's really uncomfortable to the point where I it's it's to the point where I, I feel like I feel like they kind of came right up to the line of making it like too much mm. and um and too too awful. Mm-hmm. But but that the awfulness was kind of a part of the world and the story sure. and was was kind of um. I think intentionally awful yeah. versus like unintentionally sexist. Yeah. And I think this movie was being intentionally awful. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But I think that, I think that because of the present climate, um, trying, trying, if you're going to be intentionally awful, you kind of have to address it, you know? I mean, that's the thing. No character in the movie even talked about it. Right. You know, and I wonder if, for example, if the prostitute character, yeah, if she could be like make a comment about it, or you know, like I would nobody have said that. anything about it. Like that character was really interesting to me. Yeah, and uh, she had this really intense moment with two of our main characters, and then doesn't really speak for the rest of the movie. Like maybe one or two lines, and mm-hmm. she makes a lot of really intense looks towards Ryan Gosling that <laughs> say a lot, but but she didn't actually say anything with her words. Yeah, and I would have loved something more from her. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I I did. I was really intrigued by that female character who was the one-eyed woman who was, um, Mm -hmm. you know, in charge of this resistance. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that storyline felt so tacked on to me. Like Hmm. the whole idea of the resistance building. Yeah. uh, And then Kay has this opportunity to choose between the resistance and, uh, you know, like the police force and Deckard. And he eventually chooses Deckard, uh, where he he has, like, no good choices. He has no people anymore. Mm -hmm. And Deckard is the only person that he... He feels like he has to do the right thing by saving this person because he put him in danger. Yeah. And And I think that was so cool and powerful. Totally. Uh, and I would, but I would have liked to have either seen more from that rebellion or none. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe none mm-hmm. would have been the answer because I think there's a, cu- I think there's a couple things that needed to have been trimmed. I think that uh, as a two-part film, <laughs> maybe as like parts one and two, or if this was like on TV and they had all of that content, a hundred percent, I'm on board. But as a movie, um, 
there was there was so much mm. and it was all good stuff. Yeah. But it was a little bit too much for one sitting for me okay. to the point where I like trying to parse through my memory of what happened two and a half hours ago yeah. to to pull the pieces of the story together uh, was was like a hair beyond what I totally. desired. Totally. I think. And you I mean, a, I could handle it, but, <laughs> but no, it was a hair but it beyond. Was, and then there were some things that I actually think adding the resistance in opened up the door to so many questions that didn't get addressed. And one uh-huh. that yeah, you made yeah, a yeah. really good point about is in one of, as we toward start to gear towards the end of the film, there's this scene where um, Harrison Ford's character gets taken by the Wallace's people yeah. and, um, and they leave behind Kay. And, yeah. and that's so confusing as to no why sense. they would do that. And then the rebellion picks up K. Right. And it yeah. was really confusing yeah. because there was like a lot of people fighting, guns going off. And I didn't, they did not make it clear that there was two opposing forces there. Mm-hmm. But those, but the two main characters are in the same room. They get attacked and they get taken to two different places by different factions that are kind of at war, you yeah. know? And they didn't really make it clear why the resistance is fighting Wallace because Wallace is trying to recreate this birth. Like that's, his goal is to figure out how to make replicants give birth to each other and the the resistance uh feels like that one birth is proof that they are yeah like people you know that they that they have uh if if there's if if a replicant can be born then that means that they are more than than what they were created to be so they want the same thing but they're at war against each other and i I was so confused by that it just that that was seemed like like a couple of plot points too many like right. as as you're trying to sort of pull the pieces together right. of this main mystery of who is this child mm-hmm. uh to it felt like it felt like it started to fray just a little bit towards sure. the end sure although i i will say i even though they want the same thing i think they know that wallace would be very they they know that he's sadistic, and I think yeah. they know that w- if he found that child, what he would do to her to make sure that it could happen again would be horrible. Totally. And that in, in his hands, being able to produce more people that way would be a dangerous thing, even though it's what they want. Yeah. Cause, and then there's that scene, and maybe this is something I really wanted to ask you about. If what you got out of this scene, because to me, even when we were watching the movie, I looked over at you and I was like, what? I know what you're going to say. And it was when that. So there's a scene where basically one of these replicants is sort of born out of this sack of goo. Yeah. This full grown woman. And she's but she's it. She looks like she's just been born, like she's covered in goo and she's kind of struggling to breathe and just waking up like a newborn baby would be. And he and she's totally naked and he's in the room with her and then his love, who is his replicant assistant. And they he has this like weird chip put in his head so that he can like control these things. I think he's blind and those are how he sees. And, okay. Okay. So that's But good. I wasn't, I wasn't that 100% makes sure sense. about that. that we're totally we're talking about uh, Jared Leto's character. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So that's Wallace. Wallace, and, yeah. And, and then he like says weird stuff that I couldn't even really understand what he was talking about. And then he, he slits her stomach open and kills her and then kisses her. Yeah. And she falls to the ground, which is interesting because I just realized that's echoed in what love does uh-huh. to K totally. at the end. At the end, yeah. Yeah, I I struggled a little bit with that to understand what was happening. I mean, he was made this whole speech about how there's like something missing in these replicants' wombs, you know, like the right. the secret that uh I think what's his name? Tyrell, I think Tyrell. Um Tyrell Corporation, is that right? From the first movie where the original creator of the replicants had 
like created ah. a replicant that was able to reproduce right. in Rachel. Uh, and, and then he can't do it. Like he can't figure it out. And it was almost like a demonstration oh. to say, I thought it was like a demonstration uh, to, to say like this, this is this thing that is wrong with my creation. And he uh-huh. feels like they're not even people to the point where he can just waste one. Right. Um, and the thing that I struggled with is that it, the only other person in the room was was love, right? Was his yeah. his assistant. So it was for the audience. And and I don't like stuff like that. I feel like giving me character development that uh-huh. is for the sake of the audience doesn't make sense uh-uh, in world. Yes, right. So that kind of bothered me a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Although now that you just described it that way, I wonder if it was that those sensor things, whatever they are, yeah, maybe they can tell if it has what it needs to. Like maybe he thought this was a new model that might be able to produce oh. a baby, and they sense that she was insufficient to do that, and so he kills her. Yeah, but it's still in the middle of a speech about how, like, well, I mean, for a character who whose goal is to make as many replicants as possible, right. it makes yeah. no sense. And if that was the case, they could have made that way more clear. Totally. And that would have been a much more interesting moment yeah. to have of him furiously trying to create these replicants that can do that. And each model is yeah. d- d- doesn't isn't effective. I feel yeah. like that could have been more it was, clear if that it was, was it. I totally agree. It was very good character building. I mean, it tells you everything you yeah. need to know about that guy. Yeah. But it didn't quite fit for me. And I, I, I think that what you just said would have fixed it. Sure. So yeah. I found that strange. Yeah, it was odd. Yeah, it was a it was a very strange scene. And so, so weird. Yeah. All the scenes with him were really bizarre. I actually yeah. thought, felt that the scene at the end, um, or towards the end with Harrison Ford, where they recreate Rachel. Rachel, oh my God. It was like, very disturbing. It was so disturbing. But half the time again, I was kind of like, what is he talking? Like when he speaks, <laughs> I can't tell what he's talking about. Yeah, I did. I did love that scene where he recreates Rachel. I mean, yeah. it was really upsetting, especially like, I mean, he shot her in the head and it was terrible, but but it, it just fit so well with the first movie and not only that but it it added something mm-hmm. because it said like what what if you were designed to love Rachel so that so that we could so that a new like person would be born right. basically like what if what if Deckard was created as part of a program to rep, to make replicants that could give birth i mean i thought that that was so compelling because the whole idea of like a, a replicant birth was completely unique to this movie that was not in the first movie at all yeah and it's such a big leap to say that these artificial life forms could could give birth to a new life form yeah and there's something kind of magical about that and yeah. i thought that that was a wonderful story element mm-hmm. and it's kind of this great thing like the the love that these two characters shared gave birth to a miracle you know it's yeah. called a miracle in the movie by right. uh by that first guy in the beginning totally um but then to put a twist on that and to say maybe maybe that love was also artificial mm-hmm. right before you have this scene where, you know, Kay sees Joy, like a, a blank version of Joy that's not yeah. really her. Yeah. Uh, and it just makes you feel like maybe her love was artificial also. And it just puts so many questions in your mind. Totally. Uh, actually, speaking of questions. So do you think does Harrison is in the theory where he is a replicant? Is the theory that he knows he is or that he doesn't know he is? The theory is that he doesn't know that he is. But he That is. he has implanted memories that... Uh, but like, he like, thinks he's a person. But he thinks he's a person. So yeah. would there be an advantage to creating a replicant that thinks it's a person? You know, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean... Like, why would they do that? So all the other replicants that we know of in the first movie... Well, I can't. I, this is a question for after we've seen the first. Okay, movie. maybe we'll yeah. we'll do another. Yeah, because there's. Yeah, I mean that that 
that's going to go down a rabbit hole that's going to be hard to yeah. talk about without you having seen it. Okay. Um, and I'm not, I'm not, I, there's something I could spoil, but I choose not to because okay. I've already spoiled the biggest thing in the movie. I want to leave a little bit of surprise for you. Yeah. So we'll wait on that. Okay. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, I thought it was like the whole idea of having this police officer in the second film who is a replicant and knows it and is yeah. kind of a second class citizen because of it. Right. Was uh, completely different from the first movie. Like you don't yeah. see... Um, like replicants are all like either slaves or renegades mm. in the first movie mm-hmm. and they're not supposed to be on earth at all you know they're supposed to be like like they're slaves on like mining colonies off world oh um and like just being on earth is kind of a crime and that's why they're hunted down and killed because because oh. they can fit in with society and they're not supposed to oh they're not supposed to be on earth yeah, they're not. But but there's like this new brand of replicant that in the second is movie. In the second that, movie, right. that is able to obey. Sure. Um, and they told yeah. that a really good, really good opening for this movie, where they mm-hmm. they told you very clearly what the mm-hmm. situation was, totally. all the things that. Uh, basically, they summarized the entire first movie and everything that had happened in between in like one page of text. Yeah, it was great. That was so clear. It was cool. And really set the stage that like things have happened in this world mm-hmm. since then. This is not mm-hmm. the same place that you left. There's been like a, like a cataclysm of environmental issues. Yeah. And the whole concept of the blackout was so fascinating. I know, but I didn't even does that. I didn't even know what that. They never actually explained what that was, other than yeah, that felt like planting for a sequel to me. Totally, like the idea that. There was this moment where all technology stopped working, all records were lost, like uh-huh. everything was busted. Uh-huh. Um, like uh, the guy saying, like my mom still cries over the loss of the baby photos. Sure, like, uh, ev- like f- everything that wasn't paper, like yeah, documented which, is lost. I mean, and that's uh, that's a fascinating thing to think about. Yeah, in our world, you know yeah. how much of it is of what we have is. Yeah, and I thought it was on that. pretty wonderful that they had this broken society that had yeah. lived through that, yeah. and everyone. Everyone in this world is broken, you yeah. know? Oh, for sure. Uh, and it seems like what's happened to the world has kind of broken humanity. Yeah. But, there's, but they still have this really advanced technology. Yeah. And they're still living, uh, even though the world is fucked, they're still living like more technologically advanced lifestyles than we are. Sure. Where people can have like artificial companionship in a way that we can't. Yeah. Um, and I, that's such an interesting juxtaposition. And I think that this movie did that better than anything I've ever seen. You know, I agree. And I also think like one something that I just loved about this movie that kind of takes that into consideration in like its view of the future is the character of of the child, the the girl. Yeah. That because she's this weird hybrid of everything that has come from this universe and what she does in creating these fake memories mm-hmm. with that lens thing or oh, whatever was so cool that drove the line for me between technology and magic because yeah. i forgot for a second that that was just technology or that she was able to look into his like that thing she looked at through the window yeah. and saw what he was thinking about. Like that felt like magic. That didn't feel like technology, even though it was technology. And I'm not sure what she was seeing through that because there, there is a test called the Voight Kampf text test that mm-hmm. is in the, the book that this is based off of. And also in the first movie, hmm. like when they play that audio of Rachel and Deckard talking, yes. that is a Voight Kampf test, which is where a blade runner will sit down with a person and determine whether or not they're a replicant based off of their reactions to things. Uh-huh. So I was wondering, if maybe she was doing that to him like watching his eyes and seeing how he reacted to thinking about the memory to see if it was true or not 
Uh, oh. But I wasn't sure if she was actually seeing his memory or or it just w- watching right. him intensely. But it, then her response to him made yeah. it feel like she could see the memory because we later learned that that's her memory. Yeah, and I think her response is, didn't make sense in the moment, but is explained later because it is her memory. But maybe if she's able to, imp- I mean, because he is a replicant, she's able to look into his mind because she implanted yeah, that memory. Yeah, very possibly. I mean, there should, I mean, I, it would make crazy. sense that she'd be able to. Yeah, but she lives in this, so she lives in this chamber and she creates, I mean, when we walk in on her, it almost feels like a holodeck when she's looking totally. at the bugs. Yeah, yeah. And creating these images with this weird camera looking thing almost. And, um... And to me, it felt so much like the giver. Oh, totally. You know what I mean? Like, she's the keeper of the memories. And she, like, there was something about that that felt very much like the giver. Even though in the giver, it's this sort of, it's not technology based. But there was some, there was some echoing of that that really Yeah, I dig that. I I can feel that for sure. Yeah, yeah, she was really interesting. I, I think that. I, I'm really on board for the idea that these replicants could create a child. Yeah. I think that that's a, a fantastic MacGuffin mm. for this movie. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, if like you were to ask me to make up a sequel to Blade Runner, I would say can't be done. You know, <laughs> can't be done. And I think that I think that that is the perfect starting place. And it sure. seems to me like maybe that was the big idea that someone had. Yeah. Like what if what if these two characters from the first movie gave birth? You mm. know, what what world would that create? Yeah. And I think that that being like the heart and soul of this movie is really what makes it click and work. Yeah. And I, I love the sadness of her story, how, like, I questioned, I mean, she talked about having an environmental issues where she had to stay in, behind glass. Yeah. I question whether or not that's true. I think right. that maybe she was just put in that cage because it's the only place she could be safe. Yes. Um, and, like, kind of hiding her in plain sight. Like, she's actually working for the corporation that's hunting her. Yeah. Uh, but they don't, but, I mean, her, it's like her backstory is so compelling. Right. And she's so good at what she does that yeah. like, there was there's no reason to question her and to look into that deeper. Absolutely. Uh so and I think that if she was living out in the world, it would make that harder because yeah. she was she would run into things that would ask her or they would force her to ask questions. Yeah. And the way that Kay does. Yeah. And and I mean convinces everyone in the audience and, and including himself that he is the child. The child. You know? Yeah. And I was actually I was <laughs> I I was pretty sure that as soon as like halfway through the movie when he thinks he's the child, I was pretty sure that he wasn't going to be, even though I was convinced. Right. Just because of the style of movie that this is, I'm like, there's going to be a twist. Like, there's going to yeah. be something different here. You, I could tell that you were questioning it because, and I wasn't <laughs> at all, but I kept leaning on being like, but that's his dad, right? Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm that annoying person. Yeah. And you were like, you were like, well, I think so. <laughs> you know, like you didn't yeah. want to be like, no, there's going to be a twist. But yeah, I, but my, my major question about her was if she knew who she was. Did and she, I don't think so. And you don't think she knows she's the child no, of. Okay. I don't think so. I think that that's that the scene that was about to happen. For her to know. And that's I, what he's about to say at the end. You know, yeah. maybe not. He might not even tell her. I mean, I think that he values her life so much that he might just want to know her and not tell her the truth because. Yeah. She has deniability. I mean, it, it, she she can't reveal what she doesn't know, and it yeah. makes her safer to not know. So I, I wonder if he's going to tell her. But then to live a life inside that cage, is that a life he wants for her? Is it worth yeah, I mean, it seems the safety like, of it? It seems like he chose that for her. Yeah. And we didn't get a lot of the backstory about how the plan was concocted. I mean, he talks about the plan, like the plan was for him to disappear. Like his part of the plan was to disappear. Yeah. So him just even seeing her uh, 
kind of puts her at risk. But now that I mean, now that he's presumed dead, mm-hmm. which uh, I almost buy. I feel like if they don't have a body, they're not going to think he's dead. No, um, I agree. even though he could have like washed out to sea or whatever. Sure. But um, I, I, I don't know. I did question that a little bit. Also, there's a couple. There's a couple moments in this movie where the logic didn't quite work for me. And yeah. I mean, maybe if I watch it more or think about it more, I'll be able to come up with answers that make sense to me. And, sure. Or if I read about it or something, someone right. else has come up with it. Uh, but. Yeah, and I and I get stuck on a little bit of those things, and I I feel like the movie was um almost too ambitious for its own good. You know what I mean? Totally. <laughs> yeah, I actually think if it had given itself a few more limitations, yeah, it would have really worked. Yeah, it, it already worked. It works. Worked in I, I, a way yeah. that was in a different like, way that like a level beyond did. the yeah. what it achieved. Yeah, but it really, really achieved a lot. I mean, yeah. I I can't I I can't. I don't want to sell this movie short because like the the satisfaction that I got from every moment of the movie mm-hmm. was great. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, every moment I'm like they they got it, you know. Yeah. And I knew really early on when we were watching it, it was just like so artfully done. The the everything about it was done with care and respect mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. well designed, and like the world felt right. And I mean, even Kay's apartment reminded me of Deckard's apartment from the first mm-hmm. movie. Just the style of architecture in L.A. like seemed consistent. I'm pretty yeah. sure the first movie took place in L.A. Uh, or maybe it was San Francisco. I can't remember. But I, yeah, no, I think it was LA. I think it was, I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> I mean, it, there wasn't a moment where it felt like they'd fucked up to me. Cool. Or, or beyond like small issues in logic and yeah. that one scene where uh, that guy that that we talked about where he like, uh, what, Wallace, is that his name? Yeah. Oh. Where Wallace like cuts yeah, that girl in the sure, stomach. Yeah, sure, yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah. overall, I was like really... I don't want to say pleased because it's a really intense movie, but I was, um, I, I really, really appreciated it. Sure. Yeah. The, 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 the care to continue the feel yeah. of the first one. And that, and I'm ultimately, I'm just excited to see the first one. Cause I think I'll gain more appreci- appreciation for this one. Yeah. Um, by doing that. And I'm so yeah. curious because I mean, yeah. Uh, we really tried to watch the first one first. We have not had time. And the the movie the movie was about to leave the theaters. Yeah. And it felt like um to me it felt like a movie that it was going to be really important to see in the theaters. Yeah. And I think that it was. I think, I you're think right. the like oh, the the first time I saw Blade Runner as a kid and thought it was okay, mm. and then I saw it again as an adult, a different cut of the movie, mm-hmm. like the the final cut that the director really wanted it to be all along, yeah. and I actually saw it in a movie theater, and I was just like I mean, I, I couldn't even believe it was the same movie. I was just so transported by it. It's the biggest difference that seeing something in the theater has ever made for me, hmm. where it was like a night and day difference. Because, like, the level of detail was just astonishing. And now when I watch yeah. that movie at home, you know, I know that you can look into every nook and cranny of those cityscapes and it looks amazing. <laughs> yeah. So, I really yeah. wanted that experience for this movie. And yeah. I, I feel bad that that, I, that that involves spoiling a bit of the first movie That's for okay. you. That's okay. I'm actually, I'm kind of into the idea of watching them in reverse order and seeing what that does. Yeah. And, you know, ultimately, I agree about the theater thing because also the scale of the movie yeah. was, I mean, huge. The scale of the, the places we went in that movie felt massive and i think it was cool to see that on the big screen yeah i totally sure. agree yeah 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 we oh did boy it. well we there we it. go <laughs> <laughs> we got a couple minutes to spare 
That's right. Yeah. Um, well, that was awesome. That yeah, was super fun. I'm yeah. glad we got that out of our system. Impromptu. Yeah, we've been we've been holding it in. We had like word constipation as soon as we got out of the theater. <laughs> it's it's weird for me, like uh, like w- going to see sci-fi movies or watching sci-fi t- TV shows feels like part of my job in a way that I really love, <laughs> even though it's like just a project that yeah. I'm doing. No, um, I know. It, it feels like. Uh, it feels like part. It's all become a part of my passion, you know. Totally. Like the, I mean, it's always been my passion, like watching these movies. But to be able to talk about it after and in a way that can be shared is like such a joy for me. Yeah. And then whenever I see something that I really want to talk about, it seems like it'd be such a waste to not record it. And I really <laughs> felt that way as soon as the movie was over. Yeah. And I'm so glad that we got it to work out because the too. traffic was bad and it was oh, guys. looking rough for a minute. We we had a funky day, but we yeah. also had some great stuff. Yeah. So you know, and this movie, I think ultimately, I'm I'm so glad I saw it in theater. And I'm yeah. glad we got to talk about it. Yeah, me too. I don't know. This this is, I think, it helps you appreciate it with any movie. I mean, certain ones maybe not worth a post-discussion. But I love, I think that's why we do art. That's why I'm in theater, for sure, is the conversations yeah. that, it, that it sparks. Absolutely. And I feel like that's when art is doing its jobs the best. And maybe you wouldn't, you know, oh, Blade Runner is this big piece of art. But I think... We, I think it is absolutely. We engage with, oh, with yeah. that type of media because we want to have conversations and we want to tell stories and we, you know, we want to explore yeah. different subjects. And uh, yeah, so I think it's awesome to have a conversation also on a podcast because it makes you more aware of what you're actually saying. <laughs> and I think you listen better because you're, you, need, you need to engage in the conversation in a way that might be interesting for someone else to listen to. Yeah, totally. I've, I've felt that on many, many occasions. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, well, this yeah. was super fun. Yeah! Uh, so yeah, this was unplanned. We still plan on having you back for... Uh, we're going to do a commentary for The Empire Strikes Back. <sighs> because when we did Star Wars, we talked for longer than the movie is. Yeah, and yeah that's right. It was, it was like... <laughs> I just, there's just too much to say about a movie like Star Wars The Empire oh Strikes God. Back. And the, the best way to do it, I think, is just to watch the whole thing and talk about all of it. So and I want to see it plan. again. Yeah. We have watched it. and you Spoiler, I'm obsessed. Yeah, <laughs> so you good. were really, you seemed a lot more into it than I you were. I responded way more to, 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 to this the Empire. one. Yeah. 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 So we're going to do a commentary for that. We, we're talking yeah. about possibly broadcasting the recording of that live on YouTube so other people can join in. Yeah. Uh, if we can figure that out. But but yeah, we're going to try to do that as soon as we can and get you back on the show. Really I quick. would love it. I awesome. would love it. Well, Andy, thank you so much. This <laughs> Thanks is great. for having me. Yeah. That's going to do it for this week's episode. Make sure you come back next Saturday, November 25th at 3 p.m. on YouTube, youtube.com slash Sci-Fi for the broadcast of the 100th episode of this podcast. I, I would love for you to come and celebrate that moment with me. I'm very excited about it. Check out jessemercury.com for my library of sci-fi podcasts and sci-fi themed synth pop music. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast and if you would be so kind, it would be wonderful to have more positive ratings and reviews on iTunes or the podcast platform of your choice. You can support this show monthly on my Patreon page by going to patreon.com slash jessemercurysci-fi. And that's going to do it for this week, my friends. Until next time, stay nerdy out there. <laughs>